Hey, everybody. We're coming to you with uh, the announcement that we've got a new podcast. It's going to be feature Netflix's Daredevil. We don't have a catchy title yet or a logo uh, or any of that stuff, although that will all be sorted by the time you're hearing this. So I don't know why I'm talking about it. Uh, we thought a good way. Usually we start a feed with a podcast preview. You know, we preview the upcoming season. It's a good way to get the feed started and get a jump start on everything. We have the unique opportunity since we, uh, a, a kind soul, commissioned us to watch a few episodes of Daredevil last year. We have a, a you know a fairly lengthy discussion of the series in general because Jim and I both watched the the whole thing and uh, a deep dive on two of the episodes, kind of the two or the twin origin stories of both Daredevil and, and Kingpin, which is mm-hmm. a nice. A uh, nice uh, place to kind of begin the discussion. So we're c- recording this wrapper to uh, let everybody know that Daredevil's coming. Uh, Daredevil on Bald Move is coming. Our release schedule, uh, Daredevil drops uh, March 18th. And we will have the first episode out that day, that af- probably late afternoon. And then our plan is we're going to do one podcast review for each episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday until we're finished. So we should blitz through the whole thing in a breezy four weeks. Uh, We also have a a place you can send feedback at daredevil at baldmove.com. If you want to start sending that in now so we can collect it for the preview podcast, it will be coming out next week, uh, which is the week uh, of the 11th. Yeah, so that's the the, the, – what would you call that? Would that be – I don't know. It's Friday the eleventh. It's it's yeah. It's <laughs> it's the week before the, the 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 Daredevil actually drops. If I've done my math right, yeah, yeah. So we can have discussion about that. You know, we've seen the trailer. We'll probably talk about that and our excitement about the Electra and and uh, some and, and the Punisher and the other characters we're going to be seeing or lack thereof. I, yeah. I don't know anything about Electra, so I'm not super excited. But and they don't show anything of her in the trailer. It's just her sitting it's on a, the couch. It's a tease. Yeah. Yeah. So Punisher though, Punisher, I'm super excited that, about that. Those lobes. Yeah. Uh, so we're excited about that. We're really pumped. Um, it's one of the things I'm most excited for in 2016 to see how they, if if they can continue the high mark of excellence they started in the first season and they continue to make this really compelling, gritty superhero story. Uh, but yeah, enjoy this podcast if you haven't heard it. Uh, send in your feedback to daredevil at baldmove.com or on our forums at uh, dot baldmove.com uh, i'll start a forum just for daredevil there and uh we will uh, see you next week Everybody, welcome to another commission podcast. This time, we have much thanks owed to Robert Packnett, who wanted us to uh, cover Daredevil. Yeah, it's the story of a man and his love of uh, foosball and, and snack his, cakes. His overcoming an abusive relationship with his mother to to marry one of the hot witches from the the I think it's the Coven. I think it's the story of Ben Affleck's career going down the toilet, right? <laughs> No? Yeah. No, not that Daredevil? Oh, Daredevil. 
Yes. Well, shit. <laughs> this what wasn't a Waterboy commission? No, I'm sorry. Damn it. Well, I saw the whole series anyway, so I think I can fake it. Okay. Um, right. I, I think I can fake uh, watching the episodes. So, just, yeah, just to be clear, not talking about the Daredevil movie. We're talking about the series from Netflix that just aired this year. Uh, I'm going to let Robert set it up for us. He goes, I went into this show with no expectations as someone who has noped out of comic book TV shows since the bumblefuck nonsense that was Smallville. All right. But I didn't realize until I watched this how it was exactly what I would want out of a superhero TV show. It's even watchable if you aren't a comic book fan as just a crime drama. And particularly, he wanted us to uh, pay attention because obviously we can't rewatch all 12 episodes of the show. 13. 13 episodes yeah. of the show. We don't have the time. But he wanted us to focus on Cutman and Shadows in the Glass. Yeah. Which was a particularly smart draft pick because they're almost mirrors of each other and i think they're the best episodes of the series i don't know if i'd agree with that because mm. there are fantastic episodes of this series this series is <laughs> is altogether awesome uh i want to talk about our relationship with daredevil the character do you have a pre-existing like like uh like the comics yeah no no so my only relationship with daredevil is with ben affleck mm. which is Unfortunate. It was a rocky relationship. Oh, easily. Yeah. All right, I want to talk about that. Um, first, I became aware of Daredevil. I never was a fan, but I became aware of him back when I think it was in seventh grade. I was reading, I was sneaking Punisher War Journals. Okay. My buddy Tim, uh, who turned me on to comic books, would buy them at the local Hooks, which is the drugstore before it oh, became yeah. all the different things it became. I'm familiar with Hooks. Uh, but he got them for me, and then he'd take them to school, and I'd give him seventy five cents, and and he'd hook me up. And I like the I like the Punisher, uh, number one because I don't know how they got away with this the, the Comics Code Authority, but Punisher just straight up killed dudes. It's like all this Batman bullshit of yeah. like putting you in jail. No, no, if you dealt drugs in his city, he's gonna put a bullet in your head. <laughs> and yeah. there was just tons of blood and gut, and it's just everything a thirteen year old boy wants to see in the comic books, uh, mm. short of like tits and ass, which. The comics code still could keep that out of their pages. See, for for me, that that book was Spawn. Like that was my era. Yeah. See, Spawn scared me because I was afraid my whole house would be demonized. <laughs> okay. Uh, but other, I I didn't ever I never got into Daredevil in the comics. So, so the other reason I really liked the Punisher is because that also coincided when I started reading Punisher and the first Punisher War Journal. Jim Lee was doing the art, and if you know anything about comics, mm -hmm. Jim Lee is. One of probably the top three, definitely top five artists of the modern age. He's one that I've heard of, which tells me a lot. Yeah, he's 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 awesome. Um, which he later founded Image Comics with Todd McFarlane, your boy from Spawn. So there's sure. a connection there. Uh, but I became aware of Daredevil because um, Marvel used to do these like mini uh, crossovers. Like they'd have like full blown summer crossovers, like the Secret Wars or an Infinity Gauntlet or whatever. But they had this one called Life Form. And the story was like it started off uh, like the Punisher was trying to figure out this new super drug that was going around. And it turns out this low-level thief was hired to steal this biological bullshit at some lab. It infected him. And then he started eating people. And as okay. – so so it started off in the Punisher. And I'm like, well, fuck. If I want to see how the story ends, well, who's in – it's, it's next in Daredevil. Who the fuck is Daredevil? <laughs> so then I read the Daredevil issue. And then he, the guy ate some more people, got slightly stronger. And then it moved to the Incredible Hulk. That's and it finally it finally ended up on Silver Surfer. And I remember being Ugh. really shaken by the storyline because there's like a really dark ending where – 
you know, eventually Silver this guy's gone into the ocean and now he's like the size of New York City blob and mm. Silver Surfer just carts his ass off onto another planet and he's like, All right, <laughs> I'm rolling up my silver glove, I'm gonna use a power cosmic on you, I'm gonna fucking kill you. But then like the original victim resurfaces and is like, Yes, please kill me because <laughs> this is a fate worse than death. Like I'm being mm-hmm. forced to do all these things and the Silver Surfer turns his back on him. Because he Man. swore never to kill a human. He needed the Punisher there. Right? Yeah. And I was like, this guy is heroic, but he's being an asshole. And mm-hmm. it blew my little 13-year-old mind. Like, my sense of morality was wow. rebooted. All right. Anyway. So Daredevil's in the mix there. So Daredevil got in the yeah. mix. Um, I thought the Ben... So here's the thing. I thought the Ben Affleck version was better than I expected. Hmm. Because this is pre-Iron Man... This, this is, is pre-Nolan this Batman. This is before the renaissance of superheroes. This is where yeah. it was still very much rolling the dice of which, whether yeah. you're going to get even a watchable superhero thing. Honestly, the only thing wrong with the Ben Affleck version of Daredevil, unless you're just a huge Ben Affleck hater, <laughs> is Colin Farrell's bizarre oh, choice God. to portray Bullseye as, I don't know what, a lunatic Catholic or Irish? I don't know. Yeah. Assassin? I, I like... Uh, Fuck, who's the guy who plays Kingpin? Uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Yes. Awesome yes. choice for Kingpin. Couldn't think of his name. Yeah, awesome choice for Kingpin, I thought. Uh, he has that imposing physique that you expect out of a Kingpin. Yeah, and he's also kind of, he, he you know, he's essentially a guy from Hell's Kitchen that's had some rough corners sanded off of him because he's got money now. Mm-hmm. So he's got a little bit of that smoothness and culture, but he's still like a street brawler at heart. Yeah. And I liked, I think, him versus Daredevil, like that's always been the thing, you know. I don't know. I just remember going coming away from it, going finesse. that was not very good. What was? What didn't you like? I mean, obviously, again, some of the effects the were good. Daredevil like I thought the rain there. stuff was kind of cool when they like ah, yes. he he was. They had that whole scene where he was just you know, like you know using the his, rain to sleeping in his liquid see. metal coffin or whatever. I thought that was cool. I don't remember that part. Yeah, he slept in this high tech like um, sensory deprivation tank. Because that's the only way he could get how, rest. How does he afford a high-tech sensory deprivation tank? Don't ask questions. Okay. All right. Because in this, he's <laughs> he's a lawyer who's just getting his start, right? Like, yes. apparently, you know, he, he couldn't handle the the law that he was practicing before at whatever firm they were at. Big corporate, big money firm. Yeah. And they were doing some things that he didn't agree with. And so he and Foggy split off and start mm. their own thing. And they are very much... Uh, poor at this mm. point. They're struggling just to just to get by. Mm-hmm. So like that's kind of the opposite of of what he had in the movie, I guess. Right in the movie, he had a lot of high tech gear. Yeah, and in, you're right. I've never thought of it in terms of how did he afford this, but yeah, how did he afford that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's no Batman. He's no Bruce Wayne. Um, but I thought they nailed the origin story. I thought they got the spirit of Daredevil pretty mm. close. Uh, they they fucked up um, Bullseye. I thought Jennifer Garner was an awesome uh, Electra. Yeah, it might just be because back then I was even more biased against superhero stuff than I than I am today. Mm. After having seen a few good ones, um, back then I hadn't seen any good ones. It was like I've seen the bullshit Captain America stuff that they did in the nineties. Right. I've seen the horrible Spider Man. Right. I've seen. Just the worst of the worst. Yeah. So when Netflix announced that they were doing not just Daredevil, but this whole Marvel series, I'm like, oh, man. And I don't know why, yeah. because everything Netflix has done up to this point has been quality. 
It's true. It's been, but Daredevil's you, a superhero I have basically zero interest in. Every, every time I me. hear like sci-fi, fantasy, or superhero on network television, or not mm. network, any kind of television, I'm, yeah. my first thing is, wow, can they nail what they need to do with the budget? Yeah, and I, so I want to say the only reason I gave this a shot is because I had heard some decent things about like The Flash an arrow maybe yeah, I, I don't know I, yeah. they had had a couple of shows that had started to not be total shit uh-huh. that were superhero and i was like you know what i'm i'm gonna play games i'm gonna background watch this thing and i'm gonna see what it's all about yeah give it a shot and i found myself halfway through episode one shutting off the games and just watching the show Seriously. because it was that good yeah like i it had no business being as good as it was yeah and it's I don't know what all surprised me. Um, the action, the fact that they were just like just yeah. brutal, pulse pounding action. The fact that since he was getting his start, like I really dig. I think you call it the blind justice costume, where he's just running around in black spandex and a yeah. you know a, a scarf around his head. Mm-hmm. That's how he spends the majority of the series. I thought that was it, a really cool and iconic look. It honestly, that feels like the beginning of a superhero, right? Not yeah. like. Oh, I'm gonna go get this suit tailored sure. by who? I don't. Who makes superhero suits? Yeah, and they have kind of a cool. They put all these pieces together. So by the end of the series, when he does get his iconic Daredevil suit, number one, I don't like it as much as the Blind Justice costume. Okay, I, yeah. I think it looks a little hokey, but I, it's necessary because the other thing um, is that Daredevil just takes an extraordinary amount of punishment. It's true. And that's not a superpower, but they hand wave it away, and I totally bought into it that his dad was this kind of uh, golden gloves, like semi-professional boxer yeah. whose main claim to fame was he'd just take punches. Mm-hmm. He could he could stay in fights and, and take this enormous amount of punishment without going down. And Matt Murdock apparently has – because it's not like he – it's not like a quite super heroic resistance to damage. Yeah, he's, like it's, he's not it's a just on the fringes of believability mm-hmm. that this guy can take, and also there's consequences to that. Like in this Cutman episode, there's this spectacular sequence that is a loving homage to the Green Hallway sequence from Old Boy, mm. where he's taking this extraordinary amount of punishment. He's been nursed back to health by this yeah. this doctor working on the side, and he has to fight eight dudes in this hallway and you can it's like he conveys physically that it's all he can do yeah to both keep standing and keep throwing punches and between, it's just awesome between every single punch he's resting you know yes he's like okay and expend no energy here yeah here comes a punch dodge hit this guy and, they, and then right back to and it and they got it such blocked out to where you can even see like i i paid attention this time like he like before the punch comes the guy uh, who's the actor? His name's Charlie Cox. Yeah, Charlie Cox. Uh, he kind of takes like this, like you know, deep breath, uh-huh. like kind of like okay, and one more, and he just like does just enough, and then slumps back against the wall. It's, and it always feels like there's one more time he's got to do it, right? Yeah. Like I put seven of these guys down, but this last guy gets up three more times. Yeah, and I'm desperately trying to put him down. And then you, when you see like him pulled out of that hallway into a room and you can't actually see what's going on but you hear things happening yeah that makes it super exciting because you don't know if he's getting punished or if they are uh i, yeah. I don't know that fight scene single-handedly was like okay i'm in for the rest of this series right that is so badass and that is so 
you know, I hate to say this in a superhero thing, but realistic. Yeah. Like, this guy isn't super strong. He mm-hmm. isn't, like, that resistant to pain and punishment. Mm-hmm. But he's just, his will, I guess, is what's carrying him through it. It is. And the fact that he's got, I mean, he's kind of in the, he does have a superpower, this hyperlocation and super sensitivity to touch. And yeah, they keep coming up with really cool ways to use that power. But mm-hmm. you're right, it doesn't ever make him, like, overpowered. I don't think so. Like, yeah. him and versus three random thugs with guns, it's always like, oh, man, he could die here. Yeah. Uh, and then he starts to face slightly more super villainy guys towards the end of it. And that's like, sure. there's some really memorable encounters with those. Yeah, and you talked about, you know, why he why he changes his suit. Well, he gets the shit beat out of him. And yeah, and He realizes, stabbed. I'm going to need something yes. that's going to protect me. I can only be so. stabbed in the gut. A couple times before that's just going to go badly for me. The other thing about that fight scene that I really love is where they place it in the series, right? The fact that it's in this Cutman episode yeah, where we find out um, about his dad's will mm-hmm. and and how much punishment he could take. Yep. That paired with that fight scene just, I mean, it caps off episode two in a way that I, I was super impressed by. Yeah, and this whole series has an enormous amount of heart. Like, yeah. there's a lot of emotion beyond... I mean, Matt is, like, a three-dimensional character that you feel sorry for, and he's got... He's also not perfect. Um, yeah. We'll talk about some of that. So, I was slightly more excited, probably, than you for Daredevil. I didn't expect it to be much, but, number one, Charlie Cox, I've loved him since season three of Boardwalk Empire. He was a major figure in that. In fact, my my girlfriend... Da- damn near rage quit the series when he died in Boardwalk <laughs> Empire. Like, Margaret, her screaming, opening that box was in stereo because I had my girlfriend screaming on the couch, too. <laughs> so we awesome. were both excited to see Charlie Cox. Also, Deborah Ann Wool, yeah. who is the stunning blonde slash redhead in this, uh, this series, is 90% of the reason I kept watching True Blood. Because mm. she's such a great actor, is that she actually is? I think yeah, she's yeah. a fine actress, but she's so beautiful to look at. It's fucking hurts. Okay, like it it <laughs> bruises my eyes. It's 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 crazy. And if that's not enough, Rosario Dawson, I heard, yeah. is going to oh. be in it. Yeah, and then Vincent D'Onofrio was going to be in it. D'Onofrio is it D'Onofrio? D'Onofrio. Yeah, but God knows I'm not going to correct anyone's pronunciation. Something Donfrey, no, no, whatever. Uh, he was going to be in it. I'm like, man, this is a lot of solid acting talent. And the guy who plays Foggy Nelson. Like, I've seen him in a lot of stuff, and mm. I really like him. I don't know his name. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's great, too. So I, I want to talk about the, the women in the show. Uh, okay. Because usually when, you know, I'm... I th- I keep on saying I'm not a shipper, but I'm coming to the realization that I'm a shipper. Oh, I like everyone when, is. I like when people kind of get matchy matchy and, yeah. and will they, won't they, all that stuff. It's it's disgusting, but that's 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 the <laughs> life I'm leading. Usually, I have a very clear idea of like this person should be this person and fuck that other person. I, honestly, um, there's very few pairings of people in here where I would just jump in front of a bullet for. Okay, because so they're I'm all with you, like, yeah. there's not like usually it's a hot girl, but she's kind of despicable or damaged, or you've got this yeah. like, but all of them are like good and they've got good hearts and they're reasonably intelligent and they're kind of indomitable in their ways and they're all super fucking hot. And even foggy, like, I, I had initial resistance because it looked like they were going to put foggy and uh, Karen together, who's Deborah Ann Wool. And I'm like, no, no, this is total horseshit. <laughs> But by the end of the series, yep. like Foggy has yep. become enough of a plainclothes badass. I'm like, you know what? And not even, I mean, he doesn't need to necessarily be a badass, right? Like, no. 
he needs to I be love, solid. I I like Foggy. Like I would love to just go have a fucking eel eel flavored cocktail eel with Foggy. With Foggy. <laughs> Because uh, he's a cool guy, right? He is a cool guy, and and so I I figured at the beginning of this that okay they're gonna they're gonna make Karen the main love interest for Matt, right? Like episode one, that's what I'm thinking, and then it turns out no, in fact they're gonna do it for Foggy, and maybe Rosario Dawson is gonna be his love. I think by the end of this that becomes fairly clear that Matt and Rosario Dawson are gonna get together, right? You know, I didn't see that because I I thought that's true, but in the final episode, if I recall. They kind of reset the board and maybe that okay. uh, Karen and and matter together. What? Yeah. What now? See by like halfway through this, I'm I was saying rooting together, for Foggy together. and Karen. Well, but Foggy still got the uh, morally redeemed uh, blonde girl from the law firm that I think he got back with by the end of the the series. That's right. Yeah, by the end of this the season, I hated her at first because she again, was horrible. Yeah, no, but she, she kind of redeemed herself. Yeah. And it's also with so, his help, right? It took a lot of prodding. Yeah, from sure, him. sure. But then again, like you know, if she grew up with her best friend and Matt fucking Murdoch, who is a saint. Yeah. Uh, then maybe, maybe she would have <laughs> done better. Um, but no, I, um, I, I just it kept surprising me because it just subverts so many things that I expected from the comic book convention again like you know having the clear black and white morality and the clear Mm -hmm. choices for who should be with who and all that stuff and maybe the other thing is i'm fairly ignorant of uh, daredevil lore Um, yeah i'm completely ignorant of it. like if if karen or um claire who's a rosario dawson character are like his main love interest in the comics i wouldn't know okay i mean that helps yeah um i I know that at some point he falls pretty hard for Electra because that's in the movie. And I know that's like the, that's like the dark Knight returns of the daredevil. That's the, the iconic classic daredevil story. Hmm. Um, but, uh, I'm really excited for season two. We should talk about yeah. these, these episodes. I want to talk about the, okay. the credit sequence too. All right. Because I thought the credit sequence was very fascinating in, I mean, it's essentially just different environments of New York city. They're mm. slowly being covered by either blood or red paint or wax. I, I don't know. Like but, the consistency of it is weird. The color yeah. of it is weird. They're totally invisible. And it's kind yeah. of like it's it's visually describing kind of how Matt engages with the world. But also it says more it, than that. And I'm not sure exactly why. It's all it's it's very much like the impressionist painting that the kingpin stares at. Like, yeah. So I, I felt like it was. So at first I thought it was blood, and I was like, okay, there's blood covering the city. Like, Hell's Kitchen. It's kind of just leaking all over the place, and Daredevil's got to try to put it back. But I I, I don't know how it, it relates to at the end where it leaks over his mask, right? Is he going to be ever more engulfed by this? Is is that what the intro is trying to tell me? Yeah. Or is it not blood? Is it is it just style? Is it not trying to say anything? I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. And, you know, blood can mean a lot of different things. And blood can mean life. It can mean guilt. It can mean, um, I'm sure there's other things. Yeah. (laughs) It can mean you're bleeding. Probably a lot of things. It can mean you've lost massive amounts of blood. Um, But, yeah, I I really like the credit sequence and the the main theme song. One of the few that, because it's also not long. It's like 30 seconds. And, like, I found myself not skipping it because I was just like, the other thing that drives me nuts is that this shit is coming from nowhere. 
Mm-hmm. And then the final scene where it's over the Daredevil's bust, it's actually got a visible source dripping onto it. And I'm like, one way or the other, man, you can't have this stuff just coming from nowhere. And then the final scene, it's pouring on like I, I need it to be poured on to everything or nothing <laughs> it's at all. artistic license, man. The bullshit. It drives me crazy. <laughs> I know it does. Uh, I think it's funny, though. So the origin story of Daredevil is that he gets blinded in some kind of accident, but instead of robbing... As a kid. As a kid, instead of robbing him of his sight, it actually, um, you know, the, the tropey thing for blind people is their other four senses become so much stronger, or six senses. No, it's Twelve five. senses, yes. Twelve. The other twelve. Their other four, five senses, five, four I senses become six stronger. Is spidey sense. The sixth is seventh. seeing ghosts. I don't think he sees That's ghosts. That's right. The seventh is spidey sense. So. Does that imply that Spider-Man can see ghosts? I think it's uh, <laughs> only when he's wearing the Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. That's that's canon. Uh, but he's got, uh, it takes the trope about the blind people. They got their other senses strong and it just turns it to 11. Like this guy can smell cologne yeah. three floors down in an apartment. He can echolocate like a bat. There's this one really, you know, I keep on saying cool things where he takes a fire extinguisher and he holds it over like, uh, oh, what, what do you call that? It's like a, a stairwell. Yeah, yeah. And he's waiting for this dirty cop to walk to a certain position. He drops it and the cop walks across the hallway and it conks him right in the head. Now, like just really cool stuff like that. It's a little bit of a stretch for me because he doesn't have super timing. He's not like super coordinated necessarily. But he knows precisely when, like unless the guy just if he shuffles his feet a little or bit, or if he tripped, if he, he'd probably yeah. missed. But I, I, I buy that he can do that. Okay, all right. It was a stretch for me. Okay. Um, a, a lot of this stuff is a stretch. Like I'm, I don't buy into a lot of superhero stuff, so right. this becomes a stretch. But I do like how they kind of start him off as not that much of a superhero, right? He doesn't have this super villain that he's fighting. He's not riding fucking hobgoblins, flying skateboard through the sky, throwing bombs. No. He's just fighting mooks. He's fighting dudes. He's fighting right? corruption in his city. Yeah. So it's like they don't start him off being a crazy badass superhero, which I liked. I also like it's the inversion of the Batman trope where it begin you know, Bruce Wayne, he's a billionaire, sure, but nobody knows much about this Batman character. Mm-hmm. But everyone knows the things he's fighting against, like the Falcons and uh the big crime org. I mean, they're like famous Al Capone type figures. Yeah. Here Daredevil is the main threat everyone's talking about because, goddamn, he looks guilty. He's beating people in the streets. They, and, and they're cops and things like uh-huh. that. Like, you don't know that they're on the dole and they're working. But the kingpin is completely a man that's hiding in plain sight. Like, no one even knows that he is anyone. Like, not only yeah. is did, did they not know that he's, like, this big gangster. Like, he's not a Gus Fring. He is just invisible. He's not really a politician he's not a businessman which makes me wonder how the hell he has so much money and so much influence i'm not certain about that i I don't know what his i would say backstory but like current story i buy that like you know when i look at all the mega gangsters in fiction like their Mm -hmm. fundamental flaw is they eventually become visible yeah and once you start attracting attention it's inevitable so i always thought that like the biggest and best of the of the fictional gangsters would be like these invisible presences, like the Raz Al Ghul, mm-hmm. that you know flexes his power, but in a way that the modern society doesn't even know it. And yeah. so, like, yes, it might be hard to understand how he got to this position, but if he got to this position, I'm just going to accept it because I'm like that seems like it's the ideal for a thinking gangster. 
is that you want to have all this power but wield it invisibly. Yeah. Seems like it would work. Uh, but this, going back to his origin story, so his dad's a boxer, and they're both devout Catholics, which is another interesting um, angle to this thing, that, that uh, Matt Murdock is a very spiritual man, but he's also mm-hmm. got kind of like a modern, uh, nuanced view of his Catholicism as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but his dad is, uh, you know, he's a boxer, and he can take a lot of punches, and he essentially, uh, his deal is that he can throw fights. Because he can, he can throw. Fights. Well, no, because yeah. he can take punch, so he can like. It's like you know, um, if you, it's not one punch and he's down. He's down. Like he thing, can make yeah. it look like a good fight and actually yeah. have people betting on him and looking like he wins. But he's making his money by by throwing these fights. Quest sidebar. Yeah, is this a real problem in boxing? Probably so. I would I, think maybe so. not at the highest highest level. No, no, but, no. But in the lowest levels, where yeah. you're not making a lot of money and you're taking a lot of punches, like how do they even stop this? I don't know how you could, frankly. I yeah. So it's got to be a problem. But it's something that's like I never hear people talk about it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I, it's, it's got to destroy the integrity of the sport. Not only that, but like yeah. betting. If everyone knew the bets were rigged, so it's mm-hmm. like I wonder if anyone got any knowledge on that. I'd love just from a personal. This is interesting angle to know about that. But um, eventually, what kills him is his his kids' hopeless optimism and Thurgood Marshall <laughs> quotes. Essentially, because because okay. you know Matt is is it's all that book learning. Matt's smart. He's actually yeah. got a life ahead of him other than getting punched in the head. Although, spoiler alert, Dad, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He's actually going to get beat way worse than you. Uh, uh, but yeah, his his he his dad doesn't even know that he can overhear him, and he's overhearing him talking to these gangsters, and he essentially refuses to throw the fight. Yeah. Uh, they coerce him into doing that, but then he double secret crosses him, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I just want, I just want Pulls Bruce Willis. I want to, I want to hear, I want my boy to hear them cheer for his old man." Um, he should have pulled the full Bruce Willis. He did a half yeah. Willis. Like <laughs> you never go half Willis. Bruce Willis, when he killed the man and fucked over the gangster, he threw his gloves out the window, uh-huh. jumped out of sight, got into a cab, and fucking booked it. Took off on his motorcycle. If it wasn't for his ass watch, he would have been out yeah. there scot free. Uh, Daredevil's dad goes and takes his gloves off and goes to his locker yeah. and puts on some cologne and he <laughs> ends up getting iced, gets whacked. Right so, in. I have a question for you. Okay, how you feel about what he does? So clearly, what he does inspires his kid to become the man that he, that Matt Murdock is, right? Yeah. Um, to to stand up for things, for to have a little pride, that sort of thing. He doesn't know that he's inspiring his kid when he does this. He, mm-hmm. I, I'm not even certain that he knows his kid watches on the TV. He doesn't want him to watch on the TV, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you didn't watch the fight, did you? Yeah. He says something about, yeah, I, I totally did. Well, that was the uh, first one. That was the first getting... one. So the second one, he's got to know his kid's probably watching. Yeah. And at this point, I think Matt knows that his dad is in dirty fights. Because the yeah, first... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um. So what do you think about what he does? In- instead of you know, living out his life and giving his kid the upbringing that he can give him, he chooses to probably be whacked, which he is, and and leave his kid absent a father in order to deliver this kind of emotional payload. And money. He bet a lot on himself and that and he found a way even if he died he had, that, yeah. that he was this was gonna all go to Matt, which is how he put himself through law school, etc. Yeah. What do you think about that? Because I don't – I'm conflicted. I think on the one hand, yeah, you give the kid his spirit. 
But on the other hand, he's without a father for the rest of so his life. So you're saying, would I do this? No. I'm I, not trying I, to create no, no, a no, secret. I, yeah. just, just how do you feel in the context of this show? Do you, obviously, the show wants us to feel uplifted by it. I think what I would have liked, enjoyed better, um, was if we had an idea that his dad had a plan to get away. Like, I'm going to outsmart these mm-hmm. guys, and then the gangsters end yeah. up outsmarting him, and he underestimates them, and he gets killed anyway. But on the other hand, like, it's already got a lot of shades in gray for what is all superhero stories are essentially morality plays, right? Yeah. So, in a single, I mean, this, this, this episode, in a single episode, they have one of the most spectacular fight scenes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They introduce a major new character, believably have her go on an art from reluctant. Um, good Samaritan to accomplice in major crimes uh-huh. and <laughs> tie in his origin story. Like, you got to get your pedal to the metal at, at some point. And I'm thinking yeah. if they have to take a few shortcuts on his dad, you know, it's like, yeah, does that really make sense? Is that what you... No, I'm I'm not even saying it's a shortcut and I'm not saying I disagree with it. Yeah. I, it's just, it makes me stop and go, hmm, how do I feel about that? Well, I will say that in the context of the overall series, if he his dad had been alive, then he wouldn't have the crusty old blind dude that t- taught him the it's ways true. of being yep. a cross-grained old bastard, mm-hmm. which serves him well. I mean, his dad taught him how to take a punch and how to it's not how hard you hit the mat, it's how you bounce back up. Yeah. But this old man taught him how to really embrace pain. Yeah. Uh, as a way of life <laughs> and and kind of use his superpowers. Um it Man, I kind of want to talk about him as well. But I'm a little shakier on that whole arc. I am too. Like, yeah. did he have legit superpowers? Was he have some kind of mystical ninja blind I, person magic? I think so. I think he was exactly the same as Matt. I, I think this is like a hero situation where these guys are finding because each they other. Never make, they never – how does Matt get blinded in this? Because I didn't see that episode. I think there's a chemical – so I think the chemicals okay. spill out of whatever truck crashes into him and okay. get in his eyes so and So it is him. essentially the same as the movie. Because I, I can think so, clearly yeah. remember how it happens in the movie. Okay. And that's being over that Ben Affleck version is overriding this one. So <laughs> so is so he got blinded by the same chemicals as Matt. M- maybe? The same chemicals? I'm not sure. Or they don't really Because I was getting the idea that like anyone, any blind person could be Daredevil hmm. with the in right this, amount of discipline yeah. and training and skill. Like Maybe. Maybe. And I'm not it's kinda like saying that anyone could be LeBron James. Um, you have to have the certain genetic lottery to have that physique and that muscle musculature and the height yeah. and the hand-eye coordination. But it's not like LeBron James is a Superman. No, of course. So I kind of that's I, I thought that was interesting. Are we going to meet other potential daredevils? Maybe I, I feel like we've evil. already met one. That, that I feel yeah. like the, his mentor was one. Sure. Um, the other thing about the, this fight is his dad comes home from the first fight. He's all cut up. He's bleeding. Uh, I I don't know what his ritual is after a fight. Apparently, it's to come home and let Matt stitch him up. Because I can't imagine that a televised fight would not have a cut man or a doctor in the locker room ready to patch you up. Mm. Was it so a televised must, fight or was this on be radio? On purpose. I guess no, he's watching televised. the TV. He's watching oh. his dad fight on TV. It's like... I, a televised fight is probably going to have a doctor to look yeah. at you afterward. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, if this was, you know, Fight Club, I could understand, okay, maybe he's coming back mm-hmm. because there is no doctor. But he must 
want his kid to stitch him but up. The cut man doesn't stitch you up. Cut man, no, like, no, no. But there's a doctor in the locker room afterward. Probably that you. would stitch you up, yeah. Yeah. But he's also, like, expecting him to be in bed. So if if Matt, were you going to yeah. wake Matt up and be like, here, take a slug, <laughs> up, take a slug of scotch. Now, now <laughs> stitch me up, you little bastard. Yeah. Now, it was, there's a little things that weren't entirely but making whatever. sense, but the series definitely carried it. Um, it. It's a good sign when you find me looking at those details and going, eh, whatever. Yeah, because you're not inclined so to give superheroes stuff and no. inch of slack. God, no. What about Rosario? The other thing is, like, Rosario's change of heart. I didn't even notice this was such a huge moral leap the first time I watched it, but the second time I started paying attention, I'm like, wait a second. So this kid finds Daredevil in a dumpster. Mm-hmm. He's been beat and left for dead. Uh, Rosario Dawson is the doctor living in this slum. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess she's a re- she's not a like she's not like a neuro- neuro- neurologist. She's just a maybe even a resident. She's not even a full doctor yet. Yeah, she patches him up, um, hides him from the cops because he spun this story about blah blah blah. The cop comes to the door and says, "We're looking for this masked guy who's beat the shit out of people, and mm-hmm. you know he's really dangerous." She goes from like not knowing who to believe to being complicit in the tort, not just complicit, but instructing Daredevil exactly how to torture you because nobody can torture you like a doctor can. Yeah, I yeah, firmly yeah. believe that a person's been through anatomy class will uh-huh. know how to make you holler. <laughs> and boy, does does that's like that's just really some body horror that they that yeah. they play mm-hmm. against this guy. I bought it even on the, yeah. what I was looking like. I'm not sure if I buy because. There's this with this Hell's Kitchen concept. There's this underlying, almost like the Matrix idea that everyone that lives here knows something's wrong. They can't put their finger uh-huh. on it, and they don't know that that thing that is wrong is the kingpin and all this. But they know that there's something not right about the police, not right about the institutions of power, and they need the barest demonstration of what that you think is you're imagining is actually real, and they're ready to support Daredevil. Also, and this is all baked in by the second episode. It is, yeah, which is impressive. Um, so there's also a couple of other things at work here, right? So one, by the time she's fully on board, he's admitted to selling children into sex slavery and all these yes, things. True. So easily on board there. The other thing is there's this, there's also this undercurrent of Daredevil is going around helping people too, right? And the people in Hell's Kitchen have heard those stories as well. That's and true. she brings that up. So like. I felt like over the course of him waking up, um, this cop coming to the door and the torture beginning, they they lay that out. They lay the path for you to really believe it and buy mm. it. So I, it, the way that this show is constructed is just perfect, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So this brings us to the fight that we've already talked about. He goes in this fight already with the shit totally kicked out of yeah. him. But he shows up and he's got the ropes tied around his arms. Mm-hmm. And they establish this hallway brilliantly. Like, they show the end goal and this yeah. asshole being a dick to this ki- this crying child who's afraid. And uh-huh. he goes out and he goes in a room full of guys. Yep. And the camera just keeps pulling back. And another room uh, opens up and it's full of guys. That's awesome. I love this And it this keeps shot. Pu- pulling back and then it spins around and there's Daredevil steps into frame with his, <laughs> his fists are all taped up. You're like, fuck Yes. Yeah, this is. But they show you exactly what he's got to do and all the things he's got to go through, and you know his physical condition. Yep. And they do like this ostensibly is one cut 
clearly you it's can not. see where yeah. the cuts like as they do like set spins on blank areas of walls or a door before it explodes where they can do it yep. but even say there are impressive long takes for the kind of stunts that are coordinated and there's yeah like the first time he cut he kicks in his door and you just hear him kicking ass in these guys and then like a dude flies like if a guy <laughs> flies and knocks a door off a hinge and lands in exact yeah. way that is required for another stunt to work like two scenes later yeah, it kind of wedges up at an angle across yeah. the hall. And a microwave gets used to beat someone <laughs> to death. It's I if you haven't seen it, you gotta at least watch the first two episodes. Because if you can get to the end yeah. of the second episode and be like, meh, I don't want to see any more of this, then Honestly, you're excused. But man. It's a hallmark fight scene for me in television. Yeah. I can't like you talk about Banshee all the time, and I've seen a couple of It's up of there scenes. with anything in Banshee. It's right up there. Yeah. yeah. I mean the camera work isn't quite as impressive as some of the stuff I've seen in Banshee. Where like you'll see people fighting through cars and the camera will zoom in right. through Banshee it. Banshee gets but, almost a little bit. I mean, it seems, sounds crazy, but Daredevil feels more based in reality yes, than some of the fights in Daredevil. That's or, the thing or, that makes it Banshee. so impressive to me. Yeah, and that's like it's very like MMA. Like every every punch is like he's fighting multiple guys. There's not like lining up the mooks. I mean, he's no. fighting multiple yep. people and barely getting things done. And he sometimes gets punched and stabbed. Yeah. It's great. And then he goes to the end and like he's just, you know, he can barely walk. He's but he goes through and he takes his mask off so he can comfort this little boy and says, I know you're scared, but I'm here to help you. And I still get I still get a little choked up thinking about it because I guess that's what I'm the sucker for superheroes is thinking about the you good know, that they do. Yeah, like you are in a ocean liner and it's sinking and you're going to drown in this fucking ocean. And then Superman lifts the fucking thing up and now you're saved. Yeah. Or this gunman's yeah. got a gun to your head and you're going to die. And then <laughs> Batman comes and kicks his ass. Like, yeah, they're fighting fear. I mean, that's one of yeah. the things that they talk about in this show is they're not only fighting the bad guys, they're fighting the fear. Like I, you put yourself in this little boy's position and like, this is essentially an angel coming to save him. And it's, it's got, I think it's the absolute perfect way to end this episode because it's also him saying this to himself, right? He wished that there was someone who would come do this for him when he was a kid. Yeah. His dad died and he needed yeah. some guidance, right? Yeah. Maybe you should take that kid and train him in the ways of being a blind ninja. You pour some acid in his eyes. Yeah, exactly. Get him blind. Tough love, then, kid. Here uh, it comes. This trust me, I... this is the way to do it. <laughs> uh, and that's the episode. That brings us to episode um, 108, Shadows in the Ass. Uh, nope, sorry. No, no glass. typo. Sh right. Shadows in the Glass. And this, man... I I keep going back and forth about whether Kingpin is brilliant or whether Kingpin is a construct that is going to f collapse under the weight of all of Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the combined weight of Vincent D'Onofrio and uh, uh, and and just all the layers of psychological instability they've layered on this guy. Yeah, I mean he's super he's he's super complex and neurotic, but it's like man, can this guy? shake all this off like in a lot of ways he had an easier childhood than the fucking daredevil that's what i was gonna say i think these two episodes are the perfect choice because of the way that they parallel um the the i, I guess the origin story of daredevil and the origin story of kingpin yeah those two things are not super far from each other i mean yeah they're 
they have very different ways they of came getting from the there. Same bat neighborhood, the same, same background. Same, yeah, same neighborhood. Neither of them had a father growing up, um, or, or lost lost their father growing up for very different reasons. Very different reasons, but. You can see, and, and it also is interesting the way that they both think they're doing the same thing. That's the most interesting part of this is both of them are saying, I'm cleaning up Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. They both have their methods. They both have the same end goal, but their methods are so different. It's But they're also kind of the same awesome. because what Dare I mean, Daredevil's being a vigilante. Mm-hmm. Um and I so I thought the Kingpin is interesting watching this episode in the context of having polished off like Narcos two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought there was this huge similarity between the real life Pablo Escobar and the Kingpin. Hmm. Because like Pablo would sit there and say, I'm trying to save the people and these these fat cats on top are the problem and I can I can change things while at the same time uh, dreaming about creating a narco state. Yeah. And that's the thing. Kingpin's like. Yes, he wants to help King's Hell's Kitchen, but he wants to do so by being the undisputed ruler of New York City. Mm-hmm. Which is more important to him? Good question. And how does I thought it was brilliant I, I feel the way it's Hell's Kitchen the way they showed this sad, chubby, bloody little boy. Like every time in this episode, the kingpin yeah. looks at himself in the mirror, he sees that. And I thought that was a really effective way to show like what's more important. And you see that his dad tried to instill that, like, you've got to hurt people and make them respect you, and you've got to uh-huh. kick people when they're down, which is something that he he took that to heart, I guess. See, it's, he also recoils from it. It's amazing, like, how well these characters are set up to be, in, in a lot of ways, similar, and in a lot of ways, the antithesis, right? So, like, Murdoch's thing is he always gets back up. The kingpin's thing is he was taught to always kick the guy who's down. Mm. Like that's so. There's like the un, un, that's a movable force. Yeah, yeah. Something or un, like unmovable object versus irresistible force. This guy uh-huh. kicks men when it's down. And this guy won't stay down. Yeah. Who wins that contest? I think that's just the. I don't know. These two characters go so well together. Peanut butter and chocolate. You know. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think it's. So and there's the the comparisons and contrasts continue. Um, you know, Matt seemed like he was always had a good heart and was confident and successful with women, whereas Kingpin yeah. is this ashamed of himself, uncomfortable with his physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt lives in his bombed out shitty apartment in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Kingpin lives in his posh apartment where everything's orderly and and organized. Um, I thought that. The, it, to the extent, I don't even know the Kingpin has time for crime. <laughs> With his omelet, the guy making. wakes up in his elaborate pajamas. Uh-huh. He makes himself a five star omelet by himself from scratch. Uh-huh. He consumes it in like this impeccable, like straight back. He's not reading a newspaper or anything. Yeah. He then strolls leisurely through his walk in apartment Touching size, every suit he owns, making sure the fat and, and he puts on. Is just everything? So it's like that's got to take two hours of every fucking day, easily. Yeah. Like maybe he only sleeps three hours a night, and that's when he does all this this other time, or I I don't know, but he, like he needs to sleep more. He might. And this isn't just like I'm treating myself day. They make it clear yeah. that this is his routine. We see it multiple times in this episode. Multiple times in a series, in fact. Yeah. I it, – it's – things like that that I just – sometimes I feel like the Kingpin is so close to being like a Magneto-level villain where <laughs> you know he's despicable and he must be stopped, but he's kind of got a point. 
And sure. if you lived the life he lived, then you'd be right there with him. Um, and yeah. he just misses. Like he's Magneto's a hundred percent, and for my book, uh, he's the the best. And I will not hear our, our arguments otherwise. He's the best supervillain <laughs> in comic book history. Both sides of the street, DC and Marvel. Okay. Kingpin's like at the ninety percenter because something about him's not hanging together. And I hope maybe they can address that in season two. All right. I feel like by the end of this season, like I was really worried early on, but this episode and then his arc to finish the season, and the fact that yeah. I, I, this is weird, but I think her name's Vanessa, mm-hmm. the art gallery that he types. Like somehow, way she completes him and enables yeah. him in a way that I don't know that he could do it without her. But also, I think she she enables him to be more evil than he might have been otherwise. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Because he actually has things like, I'm, you know, my dad was a cruel monster, and mm-hmm. it was never for any purpose, and I swear I'd never be like him, and I'm not a monster. Am I? And uh-huh. I think if she had said, yeah, a little bit, you need to pull it back, he might have become yeah she's almost encouraging him to continue on the path that he's on which i wonder how much she's aware that he's a monster in fact she's by the end of the series i'm convinced her eyes are fucking wide open yeah yeah and she's like you know the bonnie to his clyde but i don't and i i thought that was realistic but when she finally becomes a force to be reckoned with in his life that because i think i was about you know really shaky on him until she entered the picture um, oh yeah and the other thing i like about her is you you kind of see um in his past where his dad was this just overbearing asshole violent all that sort of stuff but his mother was kind of there you get the sense that if his father had not been in the picture his mother would have given him a much better upbringing and and he would have been a much better person and that maybe mm. vanessa kind of nurtures him in a similar way yeah, but I think also that her his mother was a little bit of a piece of work too, um, and I think you, you not in these two episodes, but you understand hmm. their their part of the toxic relationship um, later in, in other episodes. Yeah, I don't remember those. Um, but it's also interesting because Vanessa's shown as the man, the, the his source of strength, but also the thing that's a problem because, like you know, he is told by all of his criminal associates, "You need to get your shit together." Yeah, you're distracted. You're sloppy. You're taking things personal. You need to get your house in order. There's this one memorable speech with the the Asian kingpin, and I can't yeah. remember her name. Um, I don't know either. It's probably May Pang or something like that. But the, she really the lady with the face like folded rice paper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Man. Or the origami face. She yeah. She she really takes it to him in a way that 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 disturbs him. Yeah. Um. But also, it's like there's a couple other random thoughts I have about this. Um. Do we need to talk about the actual arc with his father? Because I think we already have. Like, you know, spoiler, he beats his dad to death with the clawed hammer. After he's been abusing his mother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's disturbing. Yeah. Like, it's it's a really – the domestic violence here is super disturbing. I, I do want to say that Herc was the perfect choice for his father. Yes. Man. There again, like, this casting. Yeah. Uh, yes. Herc from The Wire is is the kingpin's dad, and he is glorious. Yeah. Um, I've never seen him play this mean a character. Like even as Al Capone's brother, like Al Capone yeah. and his brothers are great guys uh-huh. until the moment they're beating the <laughs> brains out of your head with pistols. And and like I thought that Herc as um Al's older brother was kind of like the best one. Yeah, of of his brothers. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's seeing him in this light and having more range is really cool. 
uh, yeah, there's also the same thing. Like this is what down every criminal agency in fiction and probably in real life is is brought down by their paranoia and their assumption that everyone has a price. Mm, yeah, and it works up to a point. Like this this guy, he's essentially he's put in a position where he has to kill his partner. And he's like, you don't understand. Like, he's not just my partner, but we like we grew up together, mm-hmm. and we've been together all these years. And Kingpin's like, I I understand how much are those years worth to you. And the yeah. guy does it, but like, there's a limit to how much you can do because this his partner's got to be thinking. So when am I going to be on the other side of this equation? Yeah, yeah. When am I the one in the hospital bed? Yeah, with something being pumped. Out and my there's veins. a little to extent where like there's a little bit of the right stuff. Like, have you ever read that book by Tom Wolfe? Mm. Where, like, the very early test pilots, it was a lethal profession. Like, if it's your time, like, a hose goes or a flap yeah. doesn't deploy and you're dead. And there's, sure. but, but every time one of their pilots would die, because they're a pretty close knit community, they wouldn't like eulogize him. They'd sit around and be like, man, he fucked up. Uh, he he huh. didn't have the right stuff. We've got the right stuff. If we were in that cockpit, we would have flipped the lever at the right time and we would have avoided death. And that's the way they were able to wow. keep doing it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel like there's a little bit of that to these criminals that it's like it's always – it's never like uh, I'm a paranoid lunatic. I need this guy to die. It's always, well, he fucked up. Yeah. He left a trail. Mm-hmm. He compromised us all. So I guess there's a little bit of that right stuff If mentality. you just don't make any mistakes, yeah, I'm you'll not be gonna fine. Fuck up. I'm not going to fuck up like that. Yeah. I'm not going to leave any trail. Hmm. So maybe that's what keeps it going. Yeah, I think you're right. That's an uh, interesting way to look at it. That but I- it's very Sith-like. You know, the Sith was a prophecy. There could only be one. I think it's just – that's the yeah. way evil things go, man. Like you're the number two guy until you feel like you're strong enough to take the number one guy. And then why would you stay the number two guy? Yeah. <laughs> and you're the number one guy until you get too weak to defend your position, right? Like, yeah, that's the thing about being the godfather. You're going to get weak. That's the thing is like Daredevil's got this dark streak to him because like his, so his partner goes in with the salami sandwich or whatever, and he kills him with this injection on a hospital bed. Meatball sub, I think it a was. Meatball sub. Yeah. And the daredevil Five dollar foot long. chokes out the guy that just killed him. And you think, oh, well, he's going to have the antidote or he's going to be like, tell me quick so the doctors <laughs> yeah, can yeah. come in. He's like, nope, you're dead. There's nothing that can and change that you now. know that daredevil's standing in the corner of that room waiting, waiting for, for the to injection happen. to happen. Yeah. So he's letting this guy die so he can get some information out of him. Yeah, and like even in the second one where he threw that dude off the building and he landed in a dumpster, yeah. I don't think he intended that to happen. For him to land in he the dumpster? He just didn't care either way. I think you're right. Like, he could land in a dumpster and not die, or he can break his neck, and I, it doesn't yeah. matter to me. And then he, you know, he tells her, yeah, he'll be fine. He'll yeah. live, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he cared, no. Uh, and yeah, like, he he's got a kind of Batman code. Like, he doesn't use guns. He doesn't, like, try to go to kill people. Um, mm-hmm. but he is also not terribly upset if your own consequences or you've been in the wrong place in time end up in your death. And that's what he says. Like, you're going to die. Tell me everything you know about Wilson Fist so I can uh, uh, enact vengeance for you. Yeah. Uh, but that blows up in his face because the police come in and it looks like Daredevil knocked out his partner, shot him full of shit and then killed him. Yeah. And, and you got to imagine that's the story that the other guy spun. Certainly. Yeah. The fact that, they say that in the episode. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, you know, that's the, the origin of the cufflings. That was a whole mystery. Like, there's a whole bunch of mysteries about the kingpin. Like, why was he drawn to this modern art? 
Well, th- so I like how they. And why kinda... does he wear these same cufflinks every day when he's got dozens of them? I like how they lay some breadcrumbs here, right? In previous episodes, you see him looking at this painting, and he is drawn to it, and we don't know why. And he sits almost like he's medit, like in a sad contemplation. He just meditates yeah. on this thing. And then in this episode, we find out why. Yeah, it's it's that wall where he sat right before he killed his father. Yeah, and his dad tells him to think about things. Yeah. Um, and the the cufflinks, I guess uh, he you know he says they're a reminder. They're what he doesn't want to become. Um, I I guess I buy that. There's I don't, I don't know. There's some twists in logic that have to go on in a supervillain's head. Yeah, which you you have to just buy into. I think. So the other thing I want to talk about is so at the end, Benton or Matt convinces this journalist, Alaska journalist in the city, apparently, uh, to write this column to take Wilson oh, Fisk yeah. out into the daylight. I love this. And and it's set up that this Ben is writing this column, and he's just going after him, like talking about how, you know, this this nameless thing we've all been afraid of mm-hmm. has a name, and it's Wilson Fisk. And they, they, just, they juxtapose this with Wilson Fisk calling a press conference and coming out <laughs> – and saying that the inky blackness that you are afraid of is these vigilantes and this daredevil, and yep. I've 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 tried to fight the fight in the shadows, and I've tried to save my city, and now it's time to take for it and come out into the light. And you can see Ben like fuck and deletes his whole thing. Yeah, and what's and it's, it's interesting perfect. is that Ben's column, the words he used to were not really applied to Kingpin. Like he applies to him, he he attributes to him motives and emotions and malice that are not really there at this point. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like it is exactly the counterpart part to Kingpin's speech about Daredevil. They're both straw men versions of themselves. There's For essential sure. truth yeah. in underlying them both, but they're they're straw man positions. And I thought that was like Super interesting and nuanced for the halfway point of the season oh, yeah. to be doing this stuff. And it comes back to, you know, that idea that they're both working toward the same goal in their minds. Yeah. yeah. They're just approaching it differently. I mean, I don't know. Like, do the ends justify the means? I've always thought it'd be interesting. Like, I've never seen it explored. Like, what happens in a with a whistleblower in a corrupt society if no one gives a shit or is even like, so... Like, like if they're they, like, we're getting results. If they have the care. proof that Pablo Escobar is a drug trafficker, yeah. which everyone had to have known. I'm sure. But it's now it's like you got proof. It's like, well, I guess it's time to step down. What if he's like, I don't care. And what the people like, hey, he's putting money in our schools. Yeah. Like, what happens then? And why haven't we ever seen that before? Uh, hmm. I don't know. What happens then is probably they get prosecuted for the I guess it's kind of like President Clinton. Doing. Everyone knew that he was a horned dog and he cheated on his wife. He'd done it tons of times yeah, but before. but who gives a shit? Well, the second there's protein stains on a dress, then suddenly the whole nation, like... I don't give a shit. You didn't give a shit, but a lot of people yeah. did, is my point. Even though we all... It's like something we all knew, but now it's like there's proof of it. It's like, well, we can't abide this. Well, we, sure. we don't mind you if you're not caught but if you get caught in something <laughs> i don't i thought that was kind of interesting too that there's this kind of an exploration in this situation where you've got whistleblowers and mm-hmm. they mount their best case and in the end it meant nothing and in fact the yeah. villain is getting cheered yeah no it's a it's a cruel twist of fate at the end of this episode which i really just loved uh and and how do you like he seems to be one step ahead of them right he's fighting them on what they thought was going to be their turf. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's he's dominating the press. He's the one controlling the message. 
and that's super important. Yeah. The the I mean, public opinion is almost as important as what you're actually doing. Yeah. So what else do we want to talk about this? Um, I'm super excited for season two. Yeah. In fact, something that I in doing a little bit of prep for this episode, I found out is that uh, John Berenthal is going to be is is billed as Frank Castle, who is the the Punisher. Punisher. Yeah. That is badass. I know he's not in the season, so it must be a season two thing. I'm not willing to swear that he's not in the season because you also like I'm pretty sure that Electra was either shown or her father definitely introduced in this season. Yeah, I don't I don't remember seeing her. But like John Barenthal as the Punisher has me super excited because yeah. I can don't eat, I don't have to squint to see that. <laughs> That guy, it's that's just Shane. That's it's just Shane. Yeah, only like without the moral ambiguities. Like yeah. I'm killing people and it is good. And more guns. And like, how are him and Daredevil are gonna gonna beat beat heads? Yeah. Uh, you know, because that's the thing. The Punisher never really teams up with people. Like, that maybe grudgingly. The, the it's, it's always the other superheroes too, because like he kills people. And that well, that's the thing. I, that's the line that home, almost no superhero crosses. So like they can. But there's got to be a gray area there too, right? It can't just be like I kill people, and so the Punisher going around murdering everyone is going to be okay. Yeah, you got to imagine there's a line that even Murdoch has, right? That he doesn't cross where the Punisher doesn't care. Well, I mean, Frank won't kill. Like he would not. It would devastate him, I think, if a civilian got caught in a crossfire. I think so, yeah. Which is not to say it can't happen and it wouldn't be interesting. But, like, but... he sets out to kill people, right? Yeah. <laughs> but on the other thing. hand, Frank can be like, look, dude, you got superpowers. I got a bulletproof vest and a big-ass gun. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so do. glad you can shatter people's bones and leave and them hear paralyzed. Them six blocks away. And throw yeah. them off buildings and know that they're going to have a mattress pad in the alley to land on. Yeah. I'm just trying to stay alive, so suck it. Sure. That and that's essentially every dialogue that Frank Castle has with Peter Parker, for his instance. And like, I, yeah, I it must be nice be... to be able to lift cars over your head and swing with webs and <laughs> have a preternatural sense of danger. I just got a gun uh, and a bulletproof vest, and look, it's got holes in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's gonna be cool. The Punisher needs a good move because I've not been satisfied with any of his, his portrayals in popular culture, and I'm hoping that. Uh, you know, there was a, the other thing is I want to ask you because we've never really talked about Daredevil. I know we did a Bald Move TV on it briefly. There's there's big to do that I guess the sh- the lead showrunner exited after he directed the pilot and uh, wrote the, like the first two episodes, and then some other guy huh. came in and did the rest. And I remember Sepinwall saying that there was a noticeable drop off in complexity and quality from the first two episodes. I don't see it. I. Okay, Other than it's okay, hard to I, beat the one-two punch of those particular episodes. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I don't see a marked drop in quality. What I do see is we're done with the origin story, and that origin story was particularly effective. Arguably, the origin story is always the best part about any particular superhero, which is why they tell it again and again and yeah. again. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited about season two. I, I saw a... Um, I saw a trailer for the next one, which is um, shit. I forget what it's called. It's like Jessica something or other um, hmm. on Netflix just came out this week and it looks pretty good, too. I mean, they've got a, so the goal is to have like an interlocking set of four or five superhero properties that they can kind of come and run a, like a maybe a <laughs> West Coast Avengers thing, like a low rent, you know. Yeah, the the thing I'm really the scared of Avengers. 
I I hope they stay grounded a little bit. Like, I don't want this to turn into heroes, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want this to turn into every other superhero thing I've seen, which is yeah. people flying around, shooting laser beams from their dicks. And, yeah. like, I, I don't want that. I want a grounded, more realistic, kind of grittier superhero thing, which is what drew me to Daredevil in the first place. Yeah. And if they stray too far from that if Electra comes in here and starts doing crazy shit if uh they bring in some actual superhero uh-huh. i'm gonna start to some of these people have actual bit. powers like i think yeah the one she's like super strong like you can't have a superman level per- yeah. person in there and i don't think there's any danger of that it's like you can have someone you can have an aquaman <laughs> You can have ten Aquaman. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. <laughs> sure. Two superpower. You can have you get a, attack of the starfish. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even the Flash is a little too overpowered. His one yeah, thing yeah. is just too damn strong. Whereas sure. if you have a person that's like you know can bench press a ton or two, that ain't gonna break the universe. Yeah, and that's the thing. The yeah. West Coast Avengers have always been the depowered version of the Avengers. You got the Thor and the Iron Man and the Captain America's running around saving mm-hmm. the world and the West Coast Avengers of more, the way I understand it, is is more of a not not that level of like yeah. you know if you put a god in the mix. Kingpin needs to be taken down the and the West Coast Avengers are ready for it. If you if, if uh you know Galactus comes to eat the planet, yes. you call the Avengers. Yes, you call in a literal Norse <laughs> god and yes. have him have deal him with fuck it. shit up. Uh, we already talked about the blind justice costume versus the daredevil costume. I don't, that ship sailed. I don't know how you make the daredevil costume better. I will say that. I don't know that it needs to be. It I, looks way goofier in the, in the like poster that they show for the series yeah. than it does in when he is actually moving around in it. Like, I don't know why it looks shinier and bright, brighter. Um, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. Okay. I was really bu- bugged me for the, when it first made its appearance and I'm like, man, I missed the. The all black it up. I think that's cool. why it bugged you because you like the blind justice look so but much. Matt can't get stabbed. I don't know why he can't yeah. rock a modified version of the blind justice thing with the super fabric. Because yeah. Daredevil has a bright red uniform. <laughs> but he doesn't have. I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, it seems like people are getting smart at what is the core concepts of these characters that have to come across in an adaptation, and what are the things that look good in a four color comic book yeah. that are not going to, yeah, I mean, I feel like the X-Men is the first one to kind of nail that. Like Wolverine can't be run around in yellow and blue spandex. He's got to, I yeah. mean, he's got to have some kind of tactical suit, mm-hmm. or it just looks ridiculous. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I think Superman struggles because there is something in his iconic blue and Blue, you know, red boots and blue underwear that if you get too far away of the purest, the fanboys will be like bullshit. But yeah, Christopher Reeves, like it ain't the eighties or the seventies anymore. You can't literally no, have I'm, him run around in blue spandex. I'm so grateful for the move away from spandex and more toward like leather and synthetics yeah, and Kevlar stuff armor. like that. Yeah. Yeah. That looks way cooler and, and is useful Yeah, for a superhero. I don't know. Ben Affleck's got another bite at the superhero apple with the Batman versus Super. I think it's going to be a train wreck. We'll see. Mostly because I don't think DC understands how Marvel did what they did with 
coming up with the stable and having this slowly interconnect. DC's like, we got to do that shit. And instead of being like, okay, we need a five year plan, yeah. they're like, Batman versus Superman. Let's sell some fucking tickets. Yeah. And it's like, well, you yeah. don't have Wonder Woman. I don't give a shit. Aquaman's a cultural joke. <laughs> like, you're a damn side away from getting the Justice League together, yeah, what, man. What would it take to you make Aquaman? You fucked up Green Lantern. Like, he's a oh, laughing stock. Oh, God. Yeah, no. Like you, you needed a plan, and and you needed talent, and you you can't you can't rush that. So sure. I don't know. Maybe I hope I hope it's better. I hope it's good. But we'll see. I just hope season two of Daredevil is good. Me too. I think it will be. It seems like I would be as as surprised as as how awesome it would be. Um, it's not like I have massive questions on at the end of season one. It's more like yes, I like this is now a much bigger scale, and I want to see more of this. Yeah. Um. So I would be unpleasantly surprised if it is uh, not a success. But either way, thank you, Robert Packnett, for mm-hmm. for commissioning. Clearly, we had a lot of uh, Daredevil backed up in us to talk about. Yeah, I and mean, smart, good, excellent episode choice, choice too. Perfect. Yeah. I have to like it's it's uh, Jim and I are always a little scared to do television especially television that we haven't seen the whole of yes that's because you try to reduce an episode to two hour any two hour thing and it's you know how are you going to really talk about everything you need to talk about or be satisfying but here at the single season we've seen it we're fans you've picked you you picked the Mm -hmm. hell out of the two episodes yep um hopefully uh you're, you're you're happy with the commission podcast uh so thanks robert if you would like to find out how you can commission your very own podcast it's easy Go to baldmove.com slash shop. Uh, not only can you just pick one down out of out of random and have us watch any two-ish hours of television. There's also we got this community commission thing, too, where you actually buy $10 shares. And as soon as mm-hmm. uh, the particular work is fully commissioned, then we pull it down. And uh, it's a way to kind of crowdsource the commission. So we've got like the top 10 that was selected by our uh, Club Bald Move members up there now. As we complete them, we'll replace them with other voted suggestions. Uh, so it's a good way. I mean, Firefly's about done. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, just needs a couple more shares, and we'll be talking about that. Princess Bride's Got getting up there. Jim's White Whale, <laughs> The Princess Bride. Uh, lots of lots of good movies and television shows to tr- uh, try out. Some I'm quite frankly terrified for. Yeah. I'm. I'm our next commission, I think, is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's going to be an interesting one. That, that that's movie, a personal man. movie. Personal movie? Yeah. Like it talks about like you talks about your feelings about relationships and bad relationships and Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I hope I don't share too much. <laughs> we will be back to talk about that. Again, thanks Roberts and uh, yes. we'll see you guys next time. See ya. All right. So that's the uh, that's where we left the podcast. Uh again, just to reiterate Hopefully, if we do everything right, you'll be hearing this around the 4th of March, the Friday of the 4th of March. Uh, the preview podcast will come out the 11th of March, which is next Friday. And then Daredevil returns to Netflix, and we go to the airs to talk about it. The airs, the ether, the nets, <laughs> the tubes on March the 18th. Yep. And then every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday after that, a new episode will drop. Yeah, probably, I want to say early in the morning. Like, I want to get them out there on the day as soon as possible. Okay. So. Except for the first one. Right, right, right. First one, we have to wait until we're Netflix gonna, gives the, us the we're going to go keys. and we're going to do some binging and, and getting some <laughs> podcast, uh, you know, in the can and, and available. Yep. So, uh, thanks. We'll see you then.